because we're, we're about to get into what he has for us. Now, let me just go ahead and preempt this. I told the first crowd this this morning. I, I, I told Ian this morning in my office. I said, you know, this is one of those messages where I, I just, I can't, every time I go through it, God gives me something else. It's like it's been fluid. It's changing. It's evolving. But how many of you know that's the way God's word is? And this is one of those, I said, you know, I could go through this thing 30 times and I don't know if it would, if every single time something different would happen. In fact, I don't need to bore you with this information, but, but how I generally put together a sermon, I, I just kind of outline it and then I storyline it and do all of those things. But anytime there's a change order, I put it a post-it note. And, and, and so that means that I, I was going through it and I said, okay, God gave me something else. So I put a post-it note, then another post-it note. And, and, and then there was another post-it note and another post-it note and another post-it note and another post-it note and then a post-it note and then, then, then post-it notes. And I was like, hold on. So, so let me just say this. We're going to go wherever God leads us this morning. So take your Bibles and turn with me to the narrative that we will explore, which is Psalms chapter 84, verses 1 through 12. Just go ahead and turn there. Psalms 84, verses 1 through 12 is the catalyst for our conversation. But, but let me say this. Someone needs to hear this. Just because you cannot feel the presence of God in your situation does not mean he's not working in your situation. Sometimes in order for you to experience what God has for you, you have to be willing to experience him in a new way. Some of you are looking for God to show up the way he did 10 years ago, 20 years ago when you were a kid. And the Holy Spirit is saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Psalms 84, a uniquely written psalm. It's a psalm that I love the way God works because it's a psalm that there are several themes that have become a part of the fabric of Epicenter Church. Two of those themes present themselves and collide, if you will, in this narrative of Scripture. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let some of you, I'm, I'm going to let all of you go ahead and sit down because some of you have already sat down. And I know y'all going to be like, you know, he makes us stand a long time. It hurts my legs. So I'm going to let you sit down. But you're going to be back on your feet here in a few minutes. I, I believe that. But Psalms chapter 84, with, with these two themes that are present in our church, they collide in this narrative of Scripture. Last year, let me back up, we, we started this series that we said would, we would go back to every so often it was called lyrics and lines where we take an individual psalm which was a worship song for thousands of years ago we unpack that psalm and see how it's relevant to today's worship how it's impacted the modern day worship the lyrics and the lines of today's worship well that's what psalms 84 is but there's also another theme that has taken over our church for the year 2019 and that is the theme called belong everybody's say belong if you don't have your wristband see laura on the way out stop by the connection center and she'll give you a wristband but we belong to god we belong to the body of christ we are his we are the sheep of his pasture and it's our responsibility to make sure that others belong psalms 84 the psalmist who's a 
journeyman, if you will. He's on a pilgrimage. He's writing about this. Remember, it's a song. It's a worship song, but he's writing about belonging to God and then and that when we know that we belong to God, we should long to be in his presence. Has anyone in here ever played the I'd rather game? I'd rather. Look at your neighbor and say, I'd rather. Say it again. I'd rather be at church than any other place. I'm glad you feel that way because obviously summer has hit the rest of the crowd. Somebody say, I'd rather. Look at your neighbor and say, I'd rather be at church than sleeping in on Sunday morning. Somebody else, look at your neighbor and say, I'd rather talk to you than my other neighbor. (laughs) If y'all said that, something's wrong with you. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Psalms 84 is this narrative of scripture. If you haven't grabbed it by now, the title of today's message is I'd Rather. Psalms 84, let me read a few verses. Hang with me upstairs. We're going to jump around, I know, quite a bit, and we're just going to go where the Spirit of the Lord leads us today. But in verses 1 and 2, it says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Here, the psalmist is writing about the beauty of the place where God dwells. During that day, it was the temple. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Here is this pilgrim, this journeyman on this walk. And while he's on this walk... He begins to reflect, if you will. He's on the path of life, but he begins to reflect about the beauty of God. He's showing us that he has this insatiable desire to be in the presence of God. His mind is, is, is reflecting upon the temple and how he feels this sense of belonging when he's in the temple. Now, I need you to grab this. He does not feel this sense of belonging because of the programs of the temple, nor because of his social interactions within the temple, albeit those things are important. It's not because of the excitement the, the temple brings. It's not he has a sense of belonging because of, 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 the, of, of the entertainment that the temple brings. He has a sense of belonging when he's in the temple because he realizes that's where he meets with the most high God. That's where he meets with the living God he says my heart and my soul cry out unto you how beautiful how lovely is the dwelling place of my Lord he's in this place and he feels like he belongs in this place because that is where the living God resides verses three through nine just hang with me We'll read some of these verses and then we'll unpack as many as we can. Verses 3 through 9 says, Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are 
ever praising you. He's talking about the other people who are in the journey with him, always praising the God that, 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 that he calls Jehovah. And he goes on to say in verse 5, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, the God of Jacob. Look on your shield, O oh, oh God. Look with favor on your anointed one. All of this he's singing as he's on the path of life. But it's verse 10 where we gather our title from. He says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Then he says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. He says, I would rather. Somebody say, I'd rather. Somebody else say, I'd rather. He says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than anywhere else in the world. He's telling us he has this insatiable appetite for God. While he's walking on this journey, he's thinking about the dwelling place of God. His, he's thinking about the presence of God. He says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. How lovely is your dwelling place. My heart and my flesh cry out. How would our lives be different if we lived by the principle, I'd rather? Think about it. Not I'd rather be in a different place than my current place. But what if it became, how can I bring God into the place I am currently? Because that's what's happening here. He's on this journey. And when he gets to a place, he's thinking about God and he's bringing God into that place. This morning, I was thinking about this song. It hit me while I was listening involving myself in worship God just prompted me about this old song and I couldn't remember how it goes and I'm still not sure this is how it goes but it reminded me of I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold I'd rather have Jesus than riches I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather have Jesus lead me with his nail-pierced hand. Somebody say, I'd rather. You see, he's making reference to the temple. How he would rather be in the dwelling place of God more than any other place. And the temple changes in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's no longer really the temple that Jesus comes to, 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 to resurrect. It's, it's the ecclesia. In fact, it's called the Ecclesia in the New Testament. The church, it's not making reference to a building per se. It's making reference to a people who have a common goal. It's a movement of people. Somebody say, I love my church. I wish I could have printed off some t-shirts and given everybody one. I love my church. 
If you're online watching, and today, by the way, we have a group that is beginning an epicenter in Fort Stewart, Georgia, and today they're all gathered in their house with several people watching this message. I believe God is going to speak to you there the same way he's speaking to you here. Can I teach for a minute? Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of the 1800s, he said about this psalm, he said, if the 23rd psalm is the most popular psalm and the 103rd is the most joy-filled psalm, then the 84th is the sweetest psalm. So can I break this narrative down into four I'd rather categories? Is that all right? Can I do that? Four I'd rather categories. Can I do that? You see, because you need to understand the context under which this particular narrative was written because there are some really some unnoticeable things unless you understand the history behind this narrative. And I want to give you some of that today. Here's the very first I'd rather. I hope you're taking notes. Write this down. I'd rather, somebody say, I'd rather look beyond the present. Write that down. While you're writing that down, think about how difficult that is. I'd rather look beyond the present. I'd rather look beyond the present situation. I'd rather look beyond the present mess. I'd rather look beyond this person who's aggravating the mess out of me. Anybody ever been there? I'd rather look beyond. I'd rather look beyond the present. This part of the I'd rathers is also known as the power of perspective. Because if you begin to evaluate Psalms 84, you realize that in verses 1 through 5, that the psalmist, the pilgrim, is walking this journey of life. But in verses 1 through 5, he highlights for us, he articulates for us in an incredible fashion, the beauty of being in God's presence. Five verses, he talks about how lovely is the dwelling place of God. My heart and my flesh cry out. All of the others who are worshiping God together, the God Almighty who are in, who's in Zion, all of this beauty about the presence of God in five verses. Then in verse 6, there's an event that unfolds in his life. And I need you to see this. Look at it really quick. Verse 6 says, it says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, you need to circle that. As they pass through the valley of, of Baca. Hold on a second. When he gets to this event called Baca in his life, he's in the valley. He doesn't take the time, Denton, to articulate what the valley held for him. He doesn't read it. He doesn't take the time to describe the valley. And how many of you know that we are really good at describing and defining and dialoguing and diatribing when it comes to the valley that we're in? How many of you know I'm, I'm telling the truth? Like I'm just, I'm in the valley of hurt. I'm just telling you I'm in the valley of hurt because the way my husband treats me, he just doesn't love or show love the way that I wish that he would show love. So I'm hanging out in the valley. 
I'm in the valley when it comes to my job because my boss, I just can't stand him because he treats me so bad. He's always, always, always just trying to, trying, trying to give me a hard time. I'm just, I'm just tired of it. He never tells me what I'm doing right. He always tells me what I'm doing wrong. I can get to work five minutes early and he'll tell me that I'm five minutes late. And because of it, I'm so stressed out. I'm not sleeping at night. And because of that, I'm overeating. And now I have to go and buy me some new jeans because they're way too tight. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. The valley. This pilgrim was going through life and he ends up in the valley of Baca, but he does not take the time to describe or define every nuance that's in the valley. We don't know what his valley looked like. But here's what we do know. The valley of Baca, the word Baca in the Hebrew, it, it carries with it the meaning of a place of great weeping. It carries with it the meaning of a place of dryness. It's a, it's a geographical place. It's a psychological place of dryness that you can't go around. It's a place of depression. But yet when he gets to this place, he looks beyond the place that he's in called the Valley of Baca because he does not describe every single angle of Baca. Instead, he begins to describe the beauty of the presence of God. He's looking beyond his presence environment and he's looking to another place. He's not concerned about the place that he's dwelling. He's talking about and focused upon the place that God dwells. Lord have mercy. He doesn't take the time to define it. He mentions it one time, the Valley of Baca, and then he goes back to praise. You know we're good when it comes to defining the Baca. He doesn't do that. Instead, he tells us how to get out of Baca. So how do we do that? We have to look beyond the present. Because there are times when the valley's all around us. It's all around us. There's valley here. There's valley there. There's valley here. There's valley there. There's the valley of hurt here. There's the valley of pain here. There's the valley of fear here. There's the valley of lack here. Am I preaching to anyone? There's the valley of insecurity. There's the valley in my occupation. There's the valley of this relationship. There's valley here. There's valley there. There's valley here. There's valley there. There's valley everywhere. He doesn't take the time to make the valley his focus. Think about this. We're so good at focusing on what the valley brings when we need to be good at focusing on what we bring to the valley. Lord have mercy. We need to be good at focusing on what we bring to the valley. He's, he's looking at, he says, I'm in the valley, but my heart and my flesh, they cry out to the most high God. And then he says something in, in verse 4. Watch, watch this. So he says, I'd rather be. But then verse 4, he highlights something. I want you to see this. Verse 4, he says, blessed are those who dwell in your house because they are ever praising you. He's now making reference to the others who have gone through the valley of Baca and now they're praising God at Zion. Somebody say, I love my church. Let me say this to you. The valley of Baca, the conflict that comes in the valley of Baca, conflict is the gap between 
your expectations and your reality. That gap is conflict in between your expectations and your reality. And when you allow your reality to cloud your perspective, your forward motion will come to a halt. I don't know who this is for, but some of you are better at describing your, your, your Baca, the dry bones of the valley of Baca in your life than calling out the promises of God. But once you begin to hang on to who God is when you're in the middle of that valley, your problems will have to take a back seat to his power. So you begin to say, oh, I'd rather. You don't have to define every nuance, every angle, every difficulty, but rather than being focused on the place that you are, focused on being focused on what God is doing through you in the place that you are. Does that not sound like I live by faith and not by sight? Does that not sound like I need to proclaim the promises of God rather than defining the problems in my life? I'd rather go beyond the present. This dude is in the driest place he's ever been in, the wilderness, a place of weeping, but yet he's focused on a place that is beyond his present set of circumstances. The second, I'd rather, write this down, I'd rather look for strength. I'd rather, somebody say, I'd rather. I'd rather look for strength. Look at verses 5 through 7. I want to show you something. Verses 5 through 7. It says this. Blessed are those whose strength, somebody say strength, is in you. Hmm whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. Notice you're not staying there. You're passing through because your heart is set on God. It says they make it a place of springs. As they pass through the valley, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Then it says they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hold on a second. What the writer is letting us know is that Baca was not his nemesis, but rather it was the place that he discovered what God was capable of doing. Did you get that? You see, some of you are looking to get out of situations that God has placed you in in order to work through you in that situation. Let me say it this way. When you discover who you are in God, that's when you'll realize what God is capable of doing in your situation. And you cannot make it on your own strength. You can't do it. You cannot make it on your own strength. Let me give you some practical application. Let me show you something. Look at verse 5 again. Let me read this. Verse 5 says... says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage. The verse before it, verse 4, says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Listen, he's now talking about, I'm going through this valley, but I have to remember all of the people who've gone through this valley before me. Now they're over at the temple and they're praising God because they were able to make it through the valley and I'm on the way with them because I'm going to praise God with them. Do you see how important church was to him? Somebody said, Say, I love church. You see, hey man, somebody give her a hundred, something, I don't know. 
listen, let me be honest with you. Attending church is vital for your faith walk. You've got to do it. In 1974, 46% of Americans went to church. In 2017, only 12%. It's not that we've lost 34% in attendance. It's not just that number that is so scary, but now there are millions more Americans in 2019 than there were in 1974, so really that number is even greater. In 1974, consistency in church attendance was considered three out of four Sundays. In 2017, consistency was considered one out of every eight Sundays. And we wonder why the valley beats us up. The writer of this psalm was not saying I love the church just because it, it gives me an escape from the world. That's not what he was saying. I need you to grab this. I wrote something down. I'm, I'm going to share this with you. The writer was, listen, it's a must to your faith. He was saying, I'd rather, I'm in the valley, but I'd rather be in the temple. The psalmist, you see, because in church you get a game plan for the week. Look at it that way. You come on Sunday and you get a game plan for life. For the writer of this psalm, he was not saying, I'd rather be in church to escape the world. What he was saying is my ability to go to church gives me the ability to live in the world. He was not saying, I'm going to go to church to escape the world. He was saying, I go to church in order to learn how to live life in the world. He says, I'd rather, I'd rather be. Looking for strength. I'd rather be looking for his strength. Let me, let me show you something else. Look at verse 7. Look at it. Somebody say, I love church. It helps you cultivate your faith. But verse 7 shows us something. It says, they go from strength to strength. They go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. They go from strength to strength. I... I I don't know if you're getting that. They go from strength to strength. Have you ever been in a valley? Anyone in here ever been in a valley in your life? You usually do not go from strength to strength. You usually go from strength to weakness. But somehow he's saying we go from strength to strength. You know why? Because he began to look around while he was in the valley of Baca and he began to think, hold, hold on for a second because I know God is with me. He says, how lovely is your dwelling place? He begins to look for things that will strengthen him while he's in the valley. How lovely is your dwelling place? I, my heart and my soul long after you. And then he begins to think, hold on a second. The 23rd Psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear for your rod and your staff they comfort me maybe you're even thinking about hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that entangles us and let us run the race that is marked before us fixing our eyes upon jesus so i might be out of out of out of money but i ain't out of god i might be out of sorts but i know my god will give me the strength that i need i might be weak but He'll lift me up. Is somebody going to help me preach this message? Somebody say, I'd rather. He says, I'd rather be in the house of the Lord. I might be in the valley, 
But I don't care how you define the valley. The valley always has to succumb to the power of God. I'd rather. I'd rather. Let me give you the third I'd rather. Write this down. I'd rather look for the good. Somebody say, I'd rather. I'd rather look for the good. I thought that I would look out there and all of you would have your heads down writing. I'd see the top of your head. But I, I'm not seeing that. So let me just go ahead and tell you, you know, all note takers are going to heaven. And the more notes you take, the bigger your house is going to be in heaven. Some of y'all are like, oh man, give me that pencil right now. I got to take some notes. I told you my house is going to be bigger than y'all's. You know that's not in the Bible now. Come on. Somebody who left uh, the church for a weekend and went visiting somewhere else out of town, they said they told their preacher, I took some notes today. He said, really, you took some notes? Yeah, because my preacher at home, he says, if you take notes, you're going to heaven. And that preacher said, I'm not sure that's sound theology. Anyway. I'd rather look for the good. Look, look at verse 6. I know we've read this, but, but before I read it, let me just say this. You've got to insist that your trials become a blessing. You must insist that your trials become a blessing because look at verse 6. Verse 6, it says, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Hold on a second. It says, they make it a place of springs. And the autumn rains also cover it with pools. Hold on. As they pass through the valley, they make it a place of springs. Sometimes when you're in the desert, you got to dig around and look for some resources that God has already deposited. Are you with me? Because verse 6 is deep. Verse 6 is a conundrum for me. Because in verse 6, he's in the valley of Baca. But then he also says there's some springs. He's in the driest place of his life. But then he says, but there's also some springs. Hold on a second. Is it a valley of dryness or is it springs? Which one is it? Is it a valley or is there springs? Listen, it's both. The valley is the event. The springs is his perspective. Are you grabbing this? He might be in the valley, but he sees a spring. He digs around until he sees the resources that God has given to him. Why? Because he makes a decision that the most important thing is not where he is at, but what he decides about where he is at. Because he realizes, I may be in the valley, but I'm going to remember every single good thing that God has ever done. I'm going to look for the good. I may be sick, but I'm going to look for the times that God has blessed me with wholeness and wellness. I may be down and out, but I'm going to look for the times that God has given me a refreshing spirit so that I can overcome what is coming against me. Is anybody going to help me look for the good? I'd rather, listen, the people of God, somebody needs to hear this. You need to tell the desert of Baca that it's got a Baca on up because God's people always transform the valley. Ha, <laughs> ha,
valley. I don't know who this is for. This message is specifically for someone, maybe a lot of you, all of us in some way. You're in the valley. You're in the valley of Baca when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your career, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your emotions, when it comes to your sanity. And it's time for you to stand up and prophesy to the valley. It's time for you to stand up and say, I may be in Baca, but how lovely is the dwelling place of my God. It's time for you to begin to look for the evidence of your faith. Why? Because God has deposited some things in the valley in order to give you the strength that you need to get out of the valley somebody help me stand on your feet everybody just get on your feet Mm. can I give you one more let me just fast forward through my notes here and just get to where here's 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 the last Before I give you the last one, let me just say this. There is fruit in the valley. That was just a cameraman, y'all. Y'all don't have to worry about it. Holy Spirit came on him. There's some of you are going through the valley and you've just defined it and you've described it and you've, you've talked about it so much that you have missed the very fruit that God is placing along the way so that you will be strengthened in your journey. The valley will produce fruit. So here's the last I'd rather. Someone say I'd rather. I'd rather look with faith. This is a hard one. How many of you sometimes feel like you're on the outside looking in at life? Like, you think, man, why do they seem to have it all together and my life is a mess? Like, you're on the outside looking. Why is it that all, all, they just seem to have everything in order and it doesn't matter how hard I work, I don't seem to be able to get it all together. You ever feel like you're on the outside looking in? Anyone in here? Anyone in here ever said, you know, everybody's just crazy. Just everybody's crazy. Everybody I deal with is just crazy. And then all of a sudden you begin to realize, hold on a second, maybe not everyone is crazy, maybe I'm the crazy one. <laughs> I want to show you something in verse 10, in verse 10, in verse 10. Hold on. Verse 10 says, Better is one day, better is one day in your courts, Lord, than a thousand anywhere else. Better is one day in the house of the Lord, the presence of God, than a thousand anywhere else. He says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in other tents of wickedness. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. You know how so many times you feel like you're on the outside looking in? I'm going to illustrate this for you. I know what time it is. Some of you are like, hey, man, Kentucky Fried Chicken special. I got, I'm hungry. But I want to illustrate this. Just stay on your feet. He says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. And better is one day in your course. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Hold on a second. I'm going to go outside. There's some people outside here. They probably shouldn't be out here anyway. 
I think they're skipping church. I don't know if you can see me, but I can see you. I know this window's tinted, but I can look into the house of God. Oh, what did he say? He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper at the house of God. But you know what's beautiful about being a doorkeeper at the house of God is I don't have to look inside and feel like I'm on the outside looking in. Because as a doorkeeper, I get to swing the door open wide. And I get to walk into the presence of God because I know what God has for me. It's on the inside. I know what God has for me comes through when his presence is with me. I don't know who this is for, but you can stay on the outside looking in if you want. You can remain in Baca. If you allow Baca to, it will rob you of your confidence. But if you'll be a doorkeeper to God's word, you'll have a breakthrough. If you'll be a doorkeeper to God's promises, you'll overcome. If you'll be a doorkeeper to God's grace, you'll make it through. If you'll be a doorkeeper to God's peace, come on, somebody help me. Have you ever been there? I'd rather be a doorkeeper because I might be in the valley, but hold on a second. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear for his rod and his staff. They comfort me. I might be in a place of sickness, but hold on a second. He healed a body of water and they called him Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. I might be in a storm, but hold on a second. Jesus stood up and said, peace, be still. And the word says that he will give to me a peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm going to stand in the doorway, y'all, and I don't have to be on the outside. I get to come in. And that's what the spirit of the Lord wants to do in your life. Somebody say, I'd rather. With every head bowed and every eye closed.